Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb Dot listeners. Today I'm sitting with Dr. Alexandradi and Dr. Daniel Rockers, two of my colleagues and friends from Tavana Organization. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, anything to do with relationships, whether it's friendship, um, whether it's marriage, whether it's um, just any kinds of relationships. And specifically, we started before we start on, you know, talking to you guys, we, uh, among ourselves, we were talking about rejection. So today we're going to talk about all aspects of relationship, um, what happens in marriages, uh, what do we see um, each other as, uh, you know, women or men. And like um, most women have different conceptions and different perceptions of how men see marriage or how men see relationship. And today we're going to open up and talk about this. And I like to open the, the mic to my friends and we jump in and talk about this. Uh, hi, this is Dr. Alex Andrade uh, here with you guys today. I, I think this is something that in, in the work that I do so often people will bring, and, and some, sometimes it's not the presenting issue or the, the main kind of aspect, but I find relationships are you know universal in, in the idea of uh, relationships and wanting a relationship. It's something that a lot of people are either wanting or striving for or trying to, to make sense of. And I think especially rejection, it's something that a lot of people deal with, and I can see it really permeate somebody's sense of self in the in the sense that I'm not wanted, I'm not needed. I, I think we see that in other areas of our life, such as when it comes to like searching for a job, people feel as though they're rejected uh, on a whole. Um, they're not explained why they weren't given the job. Um, in relationships too, and, 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 you know, an interest in a romantic relationship, people aren't sometimes told why. They're just, uh, you know, depending on what it is that you may get, uh, a kind of a, a brunt rejection of like, no, thank you, walk away. You might get uh, the letdown of, uh, oh, no, I'm not interested in that way. Uh, the uh, historic friend zoning, like, oh, I just see you like a brother, which I always say is like the worst thing for a guy to hear. Like, you see me like a brother, like, that's horrible. Like, I'm, I'm interested in you and you see me like a sibling. That's that's incest. There's a word for that. And so it's uh, definitely something that's so difficult, I think, for for men and women. And, and I'd love to hear both of you guys' thoughts on the idea of like, is there a gender difference to that? Like, do men... Uh, deal with rejection better, or I think there's this idea that we're supposed to, uh, but I don't, I don't know if that's always this true. What about you guys? What are your thoughts? I, this is uh, Dr. Rockers. Hey, I think that here's what I think is very important in a headline with that. You're building, you're building some momentum here. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Well, I, either I'm building momentum or I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm building you won't be rejected, though, Daniel. That's Whatever you say, the, you won't be rejected. My fear is being rejected. Mm. Well, I want to start with something that I think Saide will find a little controversial. And I will say that I think the reaction women have are very mm. Now, what I mean by that is the reactions in terms of feelings inside of the emotion. Now, and Alex, you said what how they deal with that may be there may be some behavioral difference outward maybe maybe not i don't know but i do believe the internal experience is very much it's very pain side eh? do you agree or disagree um you know 
you opened a very interesting, um, you know, topic of inside and outside because the behavior we see from men as a woman, I'm just talking, uh, is always like they're strong. They don't show emotions. So you don't know what goes on inside. But now that you're saying this, it's interesting to me. I personally think, yes, they are sensitive. And sometimes I feel like they're even more sensitive, maybe, if not equally, um, because I actually have two boys and I see how sensitive sometimes they are when it comes to something. But generally speaking, um, I feel like when it comes to attraction, when it comes to, um, you know, the opposite sex, men usually are more looking at, I'm not generalizing, but I'm just saying um, the way a woman think about a man, you know, we, we you think- are, you <laughs> are generalizing. If you sit, if you start off with statements like men, this, and men that. <laughs> I, I don't know any other way to interpret that. As there's, there's brother. sometimes, there's okay. sometimes truth so in generalizations. It's a starting point. I, I do agree. <laughs> But don't make generalizations and say, well, I'm not generalizing. <laughs> okay, so no generalization. Let's let's talk about our experiences then. Okay. Uh, so my experiences when I talk to, and, and you know how social I am. I go back to, you know, my high school years. I go back to my college years uh, and up to now. I, I see a lot of friends and associates and all these types of people that I hang out, the way they look at men is, um, okay, so don't jump on me. I'm just saying what I hear and uh, what the perception is. Women usually uh, go for character. Women usually go for, you know, um, how well-established a man is. But men usually go for appearance. Men usually go how you know, um, attractive a woman is. I don't know what goes on in their mind. I'm not going to talk about that. (laughs) But I feel like this is how women think about men, or or at least in my experience, how, uh, you know, I talk to women, usually that's how they see men, that they say usually women are more attracted um, to men with character. So I like to hear from you guys. No generalization. See, I just did from my experience. I think Dan wants to go first. Uh, There's a lot of meat on that one. There's a lot of meat there. I know. I'm not sure where to be (laughs) in the way. My belief is this. Women, I think all people, include all races, all people across the globe, I think, are very, very similar. There, Yes, there are some superficial differences. And there are some customs like that, but I think in general, the way things work. So now what you're saying, I don't disagree that there are some truths to general ones. I think in the main that that can work. However, the thing we have to remember as psychologists is that generalization is fine for research study, but in an application to the individual, it's very dangerous. So if I meet women and I say, well, you know what? I know most women do this, so I better do that. I don't know that. Or I know most women are like this. I bet she's like that. And I'm going to treat her like that. And that doesn't, we lose the sense of the individual. 
And we lose, we rob ourselves of the opportunity to get to know who is the real person. So I just, I just get very, it's when we start doing such generalizations, very tricky. To, and if we're not careful, we can end up seeing people as a label. Oh, I think that's where, person I yes, absolutely. Current, no, uh, that is absolutely true. No, you're absolutely right. I guess it was just a little bit of, uh, you know, fun to it so that I could get you guys uh, on your post to talk uh, about so I got all serious on no, you. No, 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 no. But I think, there's, I think there's truth in generalizations in the sense that that's what people, in the, that's what the individual is contending with. Think about it. So as, as men, we're contending with the generalization of women. So men will tell them this is what women are. Um, and then similarly, I think, you know, it, it'll happen the other way as well. So, so it's this, I, and, and then I think that results in the person feeling away, like, uh, you know, as a man, I'm not, you know, uh, successful enough because as you mentioned, that's what women want. And so we'll use that generalization against ourselves. So I'm a failure. Nobody wants me. Nobody wants to, um, be with me in that way. And, and women may feel that too. Men are just after looks. I think there is such an emphasis on our culture and our society on attractiveness, on physical appearance. I, I kind of jokingly say, but I mean it with truth. If you walk down the road or even drive down the road, you'll see a billboard maybe at some point of a, a woman in a bikini versus you might have to drive a lot further to see a, a man with no shirt off on, a, on an advertisement or a billboard. So women are inundated by this. And so I think there's some truth to these generalizations that are perpetuated by our culture, by our society in that way. And then I think that that the individual uses that sometimes um, against that they could use them they could use that against themselves in a harsh or, or kind of negative way. And so it's something we we do have to be aware of those generalizations. And like you said, Dan, too, it can be dangerous if we're just reacting to people in that way. And I think internally it can be dangerous if we're measuring ourselves up against those generalizations too. I think it's hard to see the person as a person beyond the generalization because it takes us being vulnerable, both men and women. I think it, it makes us have to let our guard down. Like you mentioned, uh, Saide, having boys who are sensitive. Um, you know, I think my mom would call me sensitive too, but I show a part of myself to her that I may not just show to some woman that I just meet or some person I just meet. And so it's in certain relationships, being able to be our tr more true authentic self versus in romantic relationships, because of the fear of rejection, we, we do that kind of peeling gradually and, and, you know, we'll show our best self, you know, the first couple of months. And then after that, you know, we're burping and farting and things like that. So, uh, yeah. There is, yeah. You know, I there is another view too on this. I was recently reading in some Jungian literature <clears throat> and this author said, he said, within every man exists an archetype of a woman. And that when he looks at women, essentially measuring that woman to that archetype. And that within, conversely, within every woman is an archetype of a man. In other words, a, a picture or some sort of construction of what is the ideal man. And I think that is a very interesting thing that it probably transcends or supersedes culture, or maybe it's culturally generated. But either way, there is, I believe, and I believe that's true too. I believe there is that archetype or that image that the man is looking for. 
the image that the woman is this the image that usually they say women look up to their fathers as they grow up and they're looking um, to someone similar to their fathers and for men similar to their mothers without even thinking about it. Maybe that archetype is a um, shadow of their parents, you know, it could yeah, be because could usually be. we hear they go after someone uh, similar to their fathers or similar to their mothers. I think that's a more Freudian idea in that way. He talks about like the Oedipus complex and being attracted to your mother. Um, and so it's that idea, I think, more Freudian. But I think when, and along the Jungian idea, it's the anima and anime, I think, is even the term for it, uh, if I'm correct, Daniel. And it's like, like you said, there's this, this, I guess, construction, maybe this ideal, I don't want to say idealized kind of image of uh, the other, but it is, it's like this part that we carry in us. And I think that's what makes people feel connected to is it's how I've understood it in the past. I think it's, I, I think it would be considered an idea. Mm. Um, I want to go back to two things that uh, you guys each mentioned. One was um, the billboard that Alex mentioned, you know, we are living in a society that all the advertisement shows an attractive woman or attractive man uh, dress up, you know, I mean, the most sexual appearance that you can see in either uh, for advertising the fragrances, the makeups, the clothing, whatever, even different other things that they're not attached to sexuality, you still see that because people are attracted to that. And I remember that it was, I think, in 1930s that a psychologist, I can't remember the name, but started changing the economy of our country by the same thing, the advertisement and putting a cigarette in the mouth of uh, a very sexy, attractive woman. And, and then they were uh, advertising for cigarette and that's how it started. And then I know that um, the economical well-being a lot of times with different products is based on their advertisement. So we are living in a society. Imagine our youngsters, our teenagers, um, or even younger generation, they see all this so that their role model are those that they see. So maybe it's completely superficial. Maybe even when you talk to even experienced people, because their mind is, um, you know, bombarded by all these that they hear, they see, and all of a sudden, they even lose the reality. It's just all about what we see, and what is advertised for? Well, there's the, it, the the term sex sells. I mean, it's just so ingrained in our society and our culture. It's just a part of so much yeah. now. And then the other thing I was going to go back to is what Dan says about partly culture. He said, I don't know whether it's cultural or it's just human being. I think culture is amazing um, influence in the way you perceive uh, sexuality, the way you see the opposite sex, um, the way you are raised, you know, their culture that the boys are always told that, oh, you know, you're the man of the house, you're the man of the house, don't do this. this, do this. I mean, they just start inflating that pride, that, you know, man, manhood. Um, or, or for women, uh, we know that from childhood, they say, well, women don't do that. You know, ladies don't do that. 
So you are raised by that. So what you project is this is not, this is the way women um, behave. This is the way women act. If I cry is okay, but if a man cries is not. So you start really having this image in your head that this is the way men are, or this is the way women are. And then you also see in some cultures that men do so much to get into the heart of a woman by, um, you know, financial issues. You know, we know in many parts of the world, men can have any woman they want because of, um, you know, financial well-being. Um, and we hear stories even in this country, you know, famous people, you know, so it's it's everywhere, but specifically the effect of culture is amazing on on gender and their behavior and the way they see things. But what are you saying about them part? Uh, I'm sorry, Dan, what did you say? What are you saying about the money part, the financial part? I mean, I know on the one hand, I know what you're saying, but on the other hand, where are you? Yeah, you know, in some cultures specifically, even in this country, we see that there are even a married men who are financially taking care of a college student. There was a um, report on CNN that I watched, and that in that report, they were sugar daddies that they were taking care of college students um, financially. And these college students were they were giving them apartment, they were taking care of their college fund to give them all the money that they needed just everything. And they were just, you know, um, being with them, whether they were married or not. And there was just, um, you know, a lot of other issues they were bringing. And they were interviewing both women and men, they weren't showing their faces. But they were saying that the women were saying, yeah, we are happy because financially, they're taking care of us, there's no worry, we don't have to work, we just go to college, our apartment is paid. Our food is uh, in the refrigerator, um, you know, we, we just, and, and for both was okay. And for men, the same thing, they were interviewing and they were saying the same thing. So I'm saying that that financial support uh, is uh, specifically in um, cultures that money is an issue and women, or maybe the jobs are very limited. They're not so mm-hmm. much, you know, jobs for um, women. And I know men have the same problems they, they, if there is no job, but a bunch that they don't have money, they don't have jobs, uh, they're just sitting at home. But those that they have money, not only they can have any um, woman they want. I mean, this is the reality of what, what we hear in different parts of the world, even here in the United States. Let's have a short break.
We're back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandradi, and our conversation started with rejection and relationship. And now we are talking about the perceptions of men and women, the um, advertisement that we see everywhere, the effect of culture, the effect of uh, advertisement. And we live in a society that everything is based on um, economical issues everywhere around the world, you know. Um, so we started talking about what women are attracted to or what men are attracted to. And we came to the point that, you know, men are as sensitive as women, but sometimes because um, the appearance or the behavior that we see actually is not what is inside. So now we are continuing our conversation. So uh, where I was, I was asking you, Saide, if that's the statement about men or the statement about women, is that a generalizable statement? I know. I mean, uh, Alex says maybe to some extent, but I'm just saying since as a psychologist, we work with individuals, we really need to, um, you know, see the world from each person's view. But what I'm saying is in most countries, specifically those countries that the economical situation is not um, as um, available for both men and women, um, and, and so the jobs are mostly uh, limited and obviously specifically in third world countries, um, you know, maybe you can see that more that women are attracted to men that they can support them, they can provide, but obviously in European countries or in the United States, it's, it's different. But I see even, I we talked about this, that um, there was a report on CNN that college students go even for older men that they can provide for them. So, I mean, this is this, these are the truth of the fact that we see everywhere. But if we can generalize it, I'm sure there's always uh, exceptions. And so you can't really generalize, especially for us that we work individually with people. Oh, I know. You like generalizations. What, what? <laughs> well, I you know. Uh, so let's talk about money for a second. So we know that at about, and they've done research at about 70,000 or so, the return of happiness, you know, uh, as far as, you know, having enough money after about that point, you know, you're not happier. You're not, uh, you know, uh, incrementally happier at certain points, you know, that that's enough, it seems to be for for most people. And so that idea of I and I think this gets tied into this in the sense that, if we're, you know, if somebody's having a sugar daddy or, you know, they're going after somebody for mainly financial, uh, you know, can we say, I guess the question is, is that sustainable? Is that, uh, is that really feeling like an authentic sense of connection and companionship? I think that's something that people look for as they get uh, a little bit older. I think you go through those, those phases in your life where you think, you know, I, I want somebody to go party with and have fun. I want to go out. I want to do these things. I want somebody who's really attractive. Uh, there's oftentimes a trade-off when somebody's really attractive. Uh, and again, that's a generalization, but <laughs> uh, the idea that, you know, it, it's, it's more than just 
physical. It's more than just money. Uh, it, it tends to be something where people are wanting, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of times this idea of wanting connection, companionship, uh, a sense of friendship. I, I, I hear so much happiness in individuals when they talk about their partner and they say they are really my best friend um, versus the same. I've heard guys say, oh, that girl's really hot. Not the same tone to their voice in that way. And so it's something that I think is a part of relationships, the sense of maybe security and, and foundation and stability uh, that financial can provide. Um, but I mean, I think if, if it was that big of an, uh, an influencer in, in our society to the point that that mattered to everybody, we'd be walking around with, you know, our bank accounts on our shirts and saying how much we make or something like that. So uh, yes, we do that in other ways, maybe by the car we drive or the house we own or where we live, um, but uh, the clothes we wear, but I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's actually what people are wanting. Uh, I think it's more the idea, again, that generalization that, you know, if I have money, women want me, um, where, you know, I know people who are well off, and they're alone, and, uh, you know, financially stable, and can't meet anybody. Uh, and so it's one of those things where, you know, that's maybe not as real life as people think. I think it comes from the family background as well, because the way you're raised, um, I, I can just, as an example, I can just say about myself that my parents always wanted us to go to college straight, um, you know, get a job, be on our feet. And, um, I personally never, ever thought of financial issue uh, when I met someone, you know, so it was just all about what is the character? What is, what is, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Alex, what br brings us together as uh, partners rather than, I mean, money is always the last, not the last thing, but maybe part of the, you know, um, life, which we can't ignore. But it's not like, you know, you're looking at that in any ways, uh, you know. So basically, I really feel that parents can be a great example when they talk to their children. Because imagine if you're living in a household that the parents are always telling their children, you have to find someone who's financially this, financially that, that goes into their head. But if they say you need to, you need to have a job yourself to take care of yourself is two complete different things that you raise a child that feels that, you know, I have to just think of um, me when I'm, you know, out in the society and taking care of myself than looking for someone who can take care of me. It's the same as any aspect of life. You know, you have to give to get, you know, so you can just be in a life or in a relationship that you're just looking at getting, you know. I know and the Dan is listening so carefully to just pick something from me or Alex to come at us. Okay, Dan, what is next? <laughs> Guide us, Dan. Guide us. <laughs> well, I did have some things, but you've now successfully thrown me off because I can't think of them, side A. That's very good. I was going to jump in here, Dan, I'll save you a little bit. I, right. I think a, a lot of these messages get perpetuated 
culturally and gender wise too, um, without people realizing it. Uh, my stepdad, who I love and respect so much, uh, you know, there'd be times where, you know, he wouldn't, he meant well, but he wouldn't give me the best guidance. And I've had to learn uh, on my own, you know, uh, and, and after reflection on some of these things. And, and I think it were, they were very well-intentioned, but they were things that, um, you know, maybe didn't lead in the right direction at a young age, at a young mind. Um, you know, and some of them were protective in the sense of related to culture. He would say, you know, on a job application, don't put your legal name, put Alex. And so that was something that I did have to contend with. And I think it, it and unfortunately, it's something that I had to do or I did. And I think it did make a difference. But specifically in regards to this, I, I remember him sharing, you know, this idea of, you know, never tell, and he would say this too, I love him again, sorry if he's listening, never tell a woman what your job is. He's, he would say, never tell them you're a psychologist because then they're going to think you have money and then they're just going to be attracted to your money. Say you're a student, stay your student. So that way you can see if she really likes you and you don't have to worry if that's what she's after. And again, he's not a bad guy. He, he's not flashy. Uh, uh, believe me, I won't say more about that uh, topic, but the idea is that he just, that message came from somewhere. And I don't think it just originated with him. I think that was something that he kind of inherited, something that was told to him, something that uh, was, was meant to be something that you have to be thoughtful about and be careful with. And so it's one of those things where, um, you know, I've realized that that doesn't, that isn't true. That's not universal or or generalizable to, you know, all women. If I say I'm a psychologist, they don't get, you know, dollar signs in their eyes and think that, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a catch. Uh, If anything, what you guys probably get instead, they say, are you analyzing me now? Or, uh, you know, other comments that people say when they meet a psychologist, uh, and so, yeah, it's, but, but again, these, these messages come from somewhere. And if people don't, I think in general, if people don't reflect on those messages that they receive or they inherit, uh, then they can just think that that's a truth and they can think that that applies to everybody. Well, it's an interesting statement that your, um, uncle gave you or advice that your uncle gave you that, and what it reflects it really is an antidote for a stereotype because the stereotypes that we have are that women are interested in power and money. These are the stereotypes. I'm not promoting them for the record here. That The stereotype is that women are interested in power and money and they're attracted to that and that men are attracted to the visual, the looks, which is what Saide accused men of earlier. So, uh, but again, it's a stereotype. I'm, and I'm not accusing Saide. You accused me of that. What's that? <laughs> I'm counting the accusing, <laughs> you know, because get him, you get him, will accuse me, but that's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. All, right. All right. Fair enough. So I, I just have to sit and wait now. <laughs> so I just going to come back at some Your point. mic is going to get cut off. That's what's going to yeah. happen. Well, she, she, I, I know where this is going because she said, uh, all right. So now Saide is listening intently. <laughs> I am. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Alex, I think that he was, it sounds like he was attempting to give you a way of dealing with a stereotype. And it's interesting, we haven't really talked about those stereotypes so much here. I mean, Saide, you did mention that, but have that. I know you cut me off right there. So I stopped. <laughs> so, oh, I get it. It was my fault that we didn't get to the end. Exactly. Absolutely we blame somebody. Us back to the center. No, seriously. That was good. 
anyway I'm what i'm saying so it's not generalizing it's not a stereotype that was a good point okay all right very good anyway very alex good. um i'm not i wouldn't i think that what your uncle i think it's very interesting i don't think it's really bad or wrong it may not you know the part that i would have a difficulty with is if are you actively deceiving someone into what you're doing or are you just mm. not telling them all the way that you call it sure i have another question i mean not another maybe a question um i have a question for you guys don't men ever look at whether a woman is well off or not i i hear that even in the society both ways it's not just men you know it's it's the same so when men know that uh you know somebody is making good money um you know they're they actually count on that so i guess it's not just men but maybe um it just goes back to generation by generation in the past maybe more so but in today's world i hear from young people that um obviously they look for someone who has at least equal jobs or equal you know um income so that they can build a good life together so it's both my, my grandfather i remember my grandfather telling me and this was probably 50 some years ago my grandfather said it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich woman as it is a poor woman oh interesting and suggesting uh, suggesting that attraction for men doesn't matter whether someone is poor or or rich well i mean that could i'm been, just i'm just asking that could have been what he meant but my interpretation was um point your arrow towards the rich women oh really i didn't that's what i took it from what do you find rich women though if you're poor how, you you're not going to be in those circles i mean so and that's the other thing too i think and again oh. uh, this might sound silly but i mean we tend to travel you know in our financial and social circles and so we're most likely probably going to meet somebody from similar SES socioeconomic status some maybe racial background in the um, yeah exactly in the strata so yeah, yeah. in the but, strata but, that also brings up the very important point which i think a lot of times gets lost in the current political climate and that is you know it's it's not not wrong to do stuff within your own strata it's mm -hmm. not wrong to be found within them it's i don't think it's very good or right to actively um rail against other stratas or cultures but it's not wrong we've all find ourselves in one and and probably every culture every country every society on in the world stratifies out and it's like you said Alex it's not always easy to travel in between those I I remember related to that too. I hope I don't embarrass you too, Daniel, too much in this story. But oh, uh, no. when, when yeah, when me and you well, along those lines, you know, when me and you were at uh, MIT in Boston, uh, I remember feeling very like stupid. I just say I felt stupid. I felt like I was in a room full of intelligent people who were light years beyond me. And I remember you sharing that same kind of sentiment, like, "Wow, there's a lot of smart people here," and I was like. Oh my God, like somebody who I revered and thought of as very intelligent um, felt the same way I did. So I was like, I'm in his strata in that way. And it's like, okay, we're both out of our strata <laughs> in that way. And so, um, yeah, it, it was just that idea that it felt a certain way. So, I mean, back to relationships, I mean, that, that's probably going to play out in some way. You know, can you 
approach somebody, you know, outside of that strata. Uh, I think things like social media, as far as like dating apps, there's that those those can be transcendent. But then again, I think it goes to maybe these more generalizations. I mean, because think about it, what are you looking at on those social dating websites, pictures, and yep, superficial pictures, men and women in the sense that, you know, a guy can have a picture next to his car or something like that, or try to show his abs off, or I don't know what else. But the idea that, you know, we're showing, you know, that physical part off. And I think a side of you mentioned generational, I think you meant like, historical, but I think generationally too, this varies, you know, if you're 20, you're looking for a certain kind of partner versus if you're 30 or 40 or 50. Uh, so I think what you're looking for is going to very much different. I, I jokingly say I would never date a 20 year old now, uh, because, uh, that would feel well, generationally, I would have nothing in common with that person, but it's like, it's not just about physical, it's about companionship and about connecting and being able to reference, you know, even shows I've watched. I, I find even when I talk to friends who are like 10 years younger and I meant make a comment and they don't understand what I'm talking about, you know, in reference to some show. And I'm like, okay, our friendship is very contingent on you getting my references. And if you don't, it's going to be really hard. So romantically, I can imagine, you know, it's like if I'm referencing some, you know, classic movie and you're like, oh, my grandpa watched that movie. Like we're done. We're done. Like I just, I can't do that. That's just not, yeah, that's not going to happen. Well, you know, when I was talking about generations, I was really talking about, think about our grandparents and then our parents, the way they met. I'm talking about maybe my culture. In the past, it was more like families knew each other. They're usually were from the same level of um, whatever, if they were into more culture, more, um, you know, literature, more poetry, more um, meaningful, you know, type of living, they were usually connecting with the similar families and they were introducing their children to each other. Or let's say uh, in religious um, gatherings or in um, societies that they were um, communicating or meeting, it was similar. And families were meeting um each other and and the children were meeting that way and then our parents maybe met differently and then now look at how different world we are living in and our children now mostly they're meeting on apps you know it's so different you know just think about it so when they're meeting on apps do they know anything about each other except what it's on the description of the person you know it takes so much to get to know someone. I just this morning was talking to one of my friends and we were talking about um, another people, the, the, a couple that we know. And she was asking me questions about them. And I said, you know what? I've seen them in parties. I've seen them in socializing. I don't know, you know, the questions I have about them uh, because everybody acts proper when it comes to socializing, you know, for the most part. Um, so you don't know each other. You may even hang out for a long, long time, but still you don't know each other deeply until you really start getting into greedy, needy stuff that you converse and you get to know each other. We are getting to another break. We come back and continue our last part of our conversation.
We're back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrati, um, two um, colleagues from Tavana organization. We work together at Tavana, a nonprofit organization supporting individuals in psychological and cultural issues. Now today, uh, the two first parts of our conversation was about relationship in general. And then we got into more like women's perception, men's perception, connections, and the relationship between the um, opposite sex. And uh, we got to the last part that um, we were talking about how generations have changed. Uh, we come from a generation that mostly families knew each other. They knew uh, a lot about each other. Then that next generation changed. And then the generation we come from, mostly we meet at work or in college or in places that is more, um, you know, um, you know a person in different settings like at work or in socializing but now the new generation meets on on apps and they only know about each other just um, enough to just see if they're attracted to each other and there's so much to discover when you meet someone on apps so it's not easy and i feel like the um, generation that right now are at the point that they want to establish their families, they really have a hard time to meet someone that they feel they're comfortable, they know them well enough to really spend time and invest their time. Um, I can uh, talk about one of uh, my colleagues at the place I was working. Uh, she was um, from a Russian background and um, she actually was on apps and tried to meet different people. I remember she was uh, telling me that she met um, at least three different people and she was devastated. She said, it's just not what you hear about them or what you see on the apps when you get to know them um, yeah, I've heard it's it's really difficult in that way to to really put yourself out there first and foremost. But then, yeah, depending on kind of what you're looking for, how did that? Did was she able to meet somebody, or was it? Um, no, actually, at the very very end, uh, she actually met someone who knew from the past and who knew his background. Who knew? At first, she thought maybe she has more opportunities by going to apps and you know finding other people. And then finally, she was so uh, disappointed. Um, or maybe that happened just to her. I don't know. But I'm just saying it's not easy for younger generation to meet someone only on what they see as a description. When you get to meet them and you talk to them, you realize that this is not what you're for, you know. Yeah, so yeah. how much time do you have? How much time you want to spend? And finally, she just went to someone who she knew, but <laughs> she was looking for, you know, other people to see maybe she could just have a better opportunity but yeah. she's very very happy because she knows that person she says is an honest person and i think honesty knowing each other mm -hmm. uh, feeling comfortable around each other it's a really important issue to consider no and, and i think it i think i don't know i've had this idea that you know this has changed dating in a way where 
it's just added another step to it in the sense that you still have to see what it's like to have that chemistry with the person. Like you still have to see what it feels like to be around them and interact with them. It's just, you've interacted with them. The, the step before that is more online, whether it's via video, whether it's via text or via email, uh, messaging. I mean, it's, I, I think how we even communicate in those modalities or those mediums is maybe different how than how we interact in our everyday life. I, I know I've come across very curt and very direct in my emails, for example, like, and, and I don't think I'm that way in, in real life. You can probably tell me if I am, but I, I'm like, I'm just kind of saying what needs to be said. So I'm just like, here's the point, here's the the focus, um, which can be probably taken uh, very abruptly. I've learned related to that. I've, I've had to, this is kind of embarrassing, but I've, I've had to train myself almost. I had to remind myself when people will text me and they'll ask me how I'm doing, I tend to respond and I'm like, oh, I'm good. You know, I've been doing this, that, okay. And then, then I don't ask how they're doing. And, and, and it's in real life, that's one of the things I normally do. Like, oh, how you been? What you doing? Uh, but if you just ask me a question, I'm just going to ask the question. And so I've had to remind myself, wait, you have to ask them how they're doing too. And it's not because I don't know how to socialize. It's just in that medium, I'm just going with the directness of it. And so again, back to dating, I think it's, it really applies probably in that way too. Um, you're, you're ha- communicating and getting to know each other on that level, what it feels like to, you know, be friends with each other and build a relationship in person. And then, you know, those normal kind of ways of connecting that we think of. Um, I think the other piece of that too, is just the, the sharing of information that's maybe different too, where, and, and I'd love to hear your take on this. I mean, I'm wondering if like men share more in the sense of trying to show and, and not prove, but demonstrate kind of, you know, who they are, where women maybe will be less inclined to share too much. Uh, because one thing I've had, I've heard kind of indirectly is this idea that, you know, you, you never know what kind of guy you're going to meet. He might be like a stalker or a creep. And so it's like, you're not going to put out all your information. You're going to kind of gradually maybe do that where a guy who's not a creep knows like, I'm not a creep. So I'm going to tell you anything about me. And so it's, uh, I'm kind of showing more in that way. Uh, thoughts? What, what do you, what do you think? Uh, you on know, that? I was going to say, uh, again, this is not generalization. This is the research. Women are more expressive. And in all the tests, when it comes to vocabulary, when it comes to language, women are ahead. So in general, women are more expressive. But when it comes to dating or sharing, of course, women are very conservative because they don't know who they're dealing with, you know. And I think um, it's a very difficult situation. I'm just thinking for a women specifically and security and safety because they don't know if they share more what's going to happen you know it's not a safe environment in general when you think about you know things that you hear that happens due to the same fact that they share things and then things happen um, and we hear here and there it's not that they're not more expressive it's just because of the safety but um the other thing I was going to say is, um, you know, um, it's very um, delicate issue when it comes to relationships, especially at the beginning when you are getting to know someone, mm-hmm. you know, they don't know if, um, you know, they're sharing too much. They don't know if they want to show their 
likings, they disliking their, you know what I mean? It's just sure. one of those very sensitive issues because they think, what if I say that and that person is turned off and just mm -hmm. doesn't, you know, come back for the second meeting or third mm -hmm. meeting or the same with the guys, you know, yeah. they don't know what to share, what not to share mm -hmm. until you get really comfortable. And then you just because you know each other. And, and I, I, as I was kind of alluding to that idea earlier where I, I kind of jokingly say for the first three months, we're on our best behavior, you know, we're we're showered, we're, you know, polite, we, you know, cover our mouth when we cough, um, we'll open the door. Uh, but then, yeah, after a while, it's just like, oh, okay, you're gonna come over. All right, well, I'll see you when you get here, you know, and it's like, you know, you're not going out to meet them at the door anymore, things like that. So you're putting your best foot forward. And I think men and women do that. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, 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 what's a good word presenting myself in that way. And it, it reminds me too, like you're mentioning even like generate or culturally, that's something that people will do, they'll present, you know, like you said, uh, the idea of presenting, you know, maybe a, a family member to another family. And the idea is, you know, they, they don't come over in sweats. No, they, they come over dressed up, you know, there, there's this, I, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of ceremony to it and ritual too. And, and that can be a beautiful thing. I think it's great in that way. Um, but it is, it's this presentation of, we have, you know, this partner to offer um, and that's going to add and contribute not only to the, the person that they're going to be with, but to the family as a whole, a lot of times. And so there's this emphasis that this person is adding value to your family. The idea of, you know, kind of dating up or uh, adding uh, in a positive way to one's family and background. Alex, you mentioned that the first three months we are in our best behavior. I have a story to tell you. Uh, <laughs> once I was parking in the parking lot where I work, and then I noticed one of our staff members who was kind of new to me. She was just hired a few months, and I didn't know her as much. So I noticed that a car just came to the front of the door, and then a guy just jumped out of the car, opened the door for this staff member, and then she picked her stuff and lunch bag and everything and got off the car. And then the guy closed the door, went back to the seat, waited till she went in and then moved. So when I parked and I came in, I went to, actually we were, our offices were very close. So I went to her and I said, hey, who is this guy? You know, I was just gonna say, oh, you met someone. And she yeah. goes, this is my husband. I go, oh, interesting. Are you newly married? She goes, no, uh, we've been married for 20 years. Mm. And I said, oh, how nice. And she still jumps out of, the, he still jumps out of the car, opens the door. And something funny that she said, she goes, yes, you have to train them. <laughs> <laughs> and see that, I think that's a crucial part to that too. Yeah, it's. Uh... And I go. Oh, okay. So I failed in training. <laughs> he never does that. So that's the story that seemed so funny to me the way she said it. She was very serious. Sure, sure. You have to train them. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Interesting. I've, I've seen some couples be that way, and that's just kind of how they are. And I think it is beautiful. I think, but for both, uh, you know, men and women, when they, and again, I think it's based on that idea of that that friendship, that partner. It's it's somebody that they value and they want to make comfortable, just for the sake of being comfortable, versus 
what can I get out of this or what am I supposed to do along those lines? So, um, no, I think it is something that uh, is possible. Whether the person has to be trained or not, I think that's a good question. I don't know. (laughs) She was doing something right, though. And we have also, I know we're getting towards the end of our program. We have also a couple friends that uh, the gentleman, I say gentleman, he is really a gentleman. Whenever his wife walks into the room, he stands up in front of her and um, just values so much the respect. And he has taught the two boys that they have the same way for their mother. You know, they stand up and then their mother walks in and they just sit. And it's amazing how they relate to each other with respect and especially for the women in the in the house. And now the boys are married and I was talking to our friends and um, she said, yeah, my boys are the same way because this is all they've seen from their father, that they have to respect their women, their, their um, wives. So anyways, we are at the end of our program. Uh, thank you for listening to another session of psychology. Dr. Daniel Rockers left, so he's not here to say goodbye. But uh, Dr. Andrade and I uh, say goodbye to our listeners. We come back tomorrow to converse about another topic in psychology. سرد درخت یادگاری نبشتی با من اندوه جدایی نمیدانی چه ها نفرین به دست سر تو را از من جدا
خاطرت آید که آن شب از جنگل ها گذشتیم بر تن سرد درختان یادگاری نوشتیم با من اندوه جدایی نمیدانی چه ها نفرین به دست سرنوشت تو را از من جدا Just be.